Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be finishing up our uh, sermon series this morning. We've been in for a number of weeks. It's been called Teach Us to Pray. And so as we began the new year, uh, we partnered with our denomination of churches to purpose to pray and fast for the first 21 days of the year. So many of you were a part of that process for those first uh, 21 days. And then at the same time as a church body, we really sensed uh, the need for us to focus on and to cultivate maybe some skill set or some capacity or familiarity with actually just how to pray. Uh, many of us would, when it begins to be just kind of practiced or exercised in our life, feel a little bit of a hesitation with maybe we don't know how to do it or we're not doing it right, or maybe we've suffered under the idea that when we pray, we don't see maybe the effect or the result uh, that we were hoping for or in the timeline that that would be. And so we've spent the last several weeks just looking at Scripture and learning how to pray, how to pray uh, and bring the requests and concerns of our own life to the Lord and how to begin to do that on behalf of others as well. And so we looked at Jesus's template, the way that when he was asked by his disciples, hey, teach us to pray. In uh, Luke chapter 11, he gave kind of a template of the Lord's prayer. It was something that he also taught uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 on the Sermon on the Mount. So we looked at that template as a way to maybe approach prayer. We looked at Jesus's teachings on some of the, hey, here's some helpful things to do. And hey, don't do it this way. I know that you've seen it done that way, but it's not helpful or healthy. And so we've looked at some do's and don'ts. And we've unpacked a few places in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul was giving direction and uh, some helpful uh, praxis to the church in some of his letters and uh, Ephesians and Galatians and a few things like that. And so we've looked at how do I bring my requests? How do I bring my petitions? How do I bring kind of the burdens of my heart and life? Last week we focused on intercession. That would be how do I pray for someone else and on behalf of someone else? How do I help them carry their burdens? How do I contend for God to move in my community, in my world? Maybe when, when others are not contending for that. And so we've been looking at those things as well. And as we close uh, our, our time in just studying specifically how to put prayer into practice, what we're going to turn our attention this morning to is, is how do we contend for spiritual breakthrough? Or how do we contend for a move of God in things that are pressing our lives that would have more of a spiritual component to that. And by way of example for that, just to kind of um, maybe demystify that or simplify it in your thoughts, I just want to share a story from when I, was, uh, when I was younger. Like fifth or sixth grade, somewhere in there, uh, my dad went on a missions trip to Mexico. He was gone for two weeks. It was a straight 14-day trip. And for our home, for our life rhythm, we didn't, dad wasn't gone a lot. There were times where he was uh, away on trips and there was times where he was doing uh, ministry, but it wasn't the normal rhythm for our family for him to be gone frequently or for extended periods of time. So this added a little bit of, of pressure to us and some unfamiliarity to us as well. And about halfway through that trip, maybe not even that far, um, I started struggling with sleeping at night. 
And I don't know if you've ever kind of tossed and turned or maybe you've had kind of anxious thoughts or maybe you've got restless legs, right? Maybe you're with the spouse that kind of is always has the Jimmy leg from the Seinfeld episode and you're always moving or something like that. It, this, this was more than just like restless or being overtired or having a hard time like staying in deep REM cycle type of a sleep. I, I developed this, this thing that when I was trying to go to bed, all of a sudden I would feel this, this sense of anxiety. And maybe you've wrestled with anxiety or depression or you, you might be familiar with what those things or what those kind of symptoms kind of feel like. This was something that was new and it was different for me. And it was only at night and it was, uh, my, my mind would start um, entertaining a really unhealthy thought loop about whether my dad was safe or whether he was ever even going to come home. And I would start to spiral into this, this sense of uh, anxiety and this sense of fear and I could not find rest. I could not get peace. And I, I knew enough about, I knew enough about following Jesus, and I knew enough about spiritual issues to know that this wasn't just uh, me having a hard time going to sleep. It was more than just somebody missing their dad and feeling that distance. And so uh, I went to my mom, and I began to kind of unpack that with her. And then a short time later, we went and we had uh, the pastor and some leaders in our church begin to just kind of pray and help walk through seeing health and wholeness and breakthrough on the other side of it. And through kind of that series of, of moving and contending, having eyes to see that there was more than just an, uh, a, a natural issue, and moving through a process of prayer, it was something that I was able to walk through and overcome and, and was something that had been resolved long before my dad ever returned back home. And what would be described there, what would be kind of uh, um, indicated by that type of challenge where it's like, okay, this is, there's more than something just natural taking place here. Uh, depending on what your church background is, depending on what kind of language has been used around this, this might be some, something that would be described by some as like a spiritual attack. Some people would say maybe this is spiritual warfare, right? You really have to somehow kind of fight and contend for the things of God. It might be helpful to kind of take it away from that type of thinking and just make it into, hey, there was a spiritual issue going on with this as well. There was, it was more than natural, but there was a spiritual component. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going we're to close our series by considering that thought. Uh, what does it look like for you to recognize spiritual issues that you need to actually press through and to see the Lord bring freedom in? How do you recognize those and what do you do in order to kind of set yourself in motion into experiencing those things? And you're already kind of going to get ahead of me a little bit because you know that we are in a series called Teach Us to Pray. And so there's probably a prayerful component of this and you're such a bright class and you are correct. We're going to be moving into that direction. But there are challenges whenever you start conversations like this, because there are two extremes and they're both prone to eccentricities. One extreme is to over-spiritualize everything in your life. That every challenge, that every issue, that everything that you face somehow is uh, demonic or spiritual and you're gonna have to war against all the forces of hell to see 
breakthrough. And the other extreme, and is prone to the same type of eccentricity, is to somehow assume that nothing has a spiritual component. And if your life just looks like that, that's just the way that it is always going to be. And sometimes we will just assign ourselves a place and a way of living, and we won't even contend for the promises or the plans or the purposes of God in our life because we're just, that's the way that I was made, and that's the way that I will always be. Somewhere in the middle is where a healthy understanding of who God is and how he moves in our lives and the freedom on offer to us in Jesus, somewhere in the middle, that is where that is found. And so we need to be able to recognize kind of when and where, and then we need to know how to respond to those types of issues. And we're going to look at Ephesians today for that. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and get that out. Got your smartphone or your tablet, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up your Bible app. And if you've got your Bible this morning, if you would just lift it up before the Lord. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts for your word today. Your word describes those who are open to your teaching and taking it in as people who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so, Lord, for my friends and myself today, that's what we would ask, that you would uh, soften our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word, that we would take it in as truth. Lord, that it would be something that we not only receive, but through the leading of your Spirit and with courageous faith, help us to put it into practice this week. And Lord, teach us to pray and to contend for the fullness of your plans and purposes in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If your Bible's out, I want to encourage you, you can just go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 6. And that's where we're going to spend all of our time this morning. Uh, I'll correlate a few verses out as applicable, but we're going to spend all our time in Ephesians chapter 6. And this letter was written by the Apostle Paul. Many of the New Testament letters were, and it's uh, a letter that was written to a specific church. Okay, so Paul, uh, much like if, if he was going to write a letter to Sterling, and it would just be called the letter to the Sterling Church, that's what this was. It was a letter to the church in Ephesus. It's called the book of Ephesians as it fits into uh, God's word, but it's a letter that he wrote encouraging them in a number of different things. And as you get to chapter 6, chapter 6 is focusing on how to address spiritual issues in your life. It's actually the last thing that he writes to them in this letter. And what's interesting is Paul wrote this letter from prison. Uh, Paul was in prison at this time. He was in Rome. He was under house arrest. He had an assigned Roman guard to him during that time. And under house arrest, he wrote a number of what we would call New Testament books, a number of letters to different churches. Ephesians is one of those. And you would think that maybe being under house arrest, having been persecuted, uh, having been beaten, having been arrested on a number of occasions, that maybe he would, he would see those types of persecutions wholly and only as spiritual attack and opposition to the gospel. What's interesting is, is Paul doesn't often assign those types of thoughts to any of those uh, kind of practical hardships where he's dealing with the opposition of people. And even as he closes this letter and he directs the church to be praying for him, he doesn't pray for a jailbreak. He doesn't pray for his, uh, his day of justice. He doesn't pray for his comfort. He doesn't pray for any of his resources. He prays for one thing. He prays for boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see the kingdom of God advanced. And so even as we turn our attention to the idea of, of knowing how to pray and to contend, 
for spiritual issues. The goal isn't just to somehow have a comfortable life or to get what you want or to you know, have revenge or right injustices. Ultimately, the goal when we are contending for the things of God and we are doing so to address spiritual issues is to see the advancement of the kingdom of God, to see the name of Jesus lifted up, to see lives transformed as a result of that, people being healed and saved and set free in Jesus' name. And so Paul, he begins to, to, uh, to address this idea of spiritual issues, and we're going to read these, uh, these verses together. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, I'll read the first three verses, and then we'll take just a break. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand." And so as he's closing out this letter, he begins to draw their attention back to the reality that there is spiritual opposition to the good things of God. There is spiritual opposition to the kingdom of God. The design that, that God has for your life, the freedom that you're supposed to walk into and exercise in Jesus, there's opposition to all of those things. For you to walk into experiencing the goodness of God in your day-to-day, for you to see the reconciliation of Jesus work in your marriage and in your home, for you to contend for breakthrough in your community and to see places of injustice righted and see justice exacted. Those things all have opposition to it. Some of that opposition is just natural opposition, the brokenness of this world. Some of that is spiritual opposition, and that is what Paul is drawing attention to here. And he says in in order to uh, respond to that, that there needs to be a a focus and a purpose and a way that we are setting ourselves about. And he moves on from there, verses 14 to 17, he begins to describe what the armor of God is. And you could do a whole sermon series where you're unpacking each one of these. I've heard many of them and have preached that myself. There's great application for that, but it's not necessary for us this morning. But he describes each piece of this armor of God, and it's no surprise that each piece relates to kind of the soldier that was guarding him. Right? He had kind of a model to go off of as he's writing this, and he talks about the helmet, he talks about the breastplate, he talks about the things that a Roman centurion would have been outfit in as he was standing ready and under guard and in, um, in attention. And so he draws attention and uses that as a model, kind of goes back and forth to what those things are. And then he moves into verse 18 where he starts to talk about how to respond and what to do, and it says this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me, this is interesting, that whenever I speak words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. He doesn't say, and also pray for me that I get out of this situation, that my life is changed, that uh, the injustices are righted, and that I'm back, you know, a free man, comfortable and able to do what I want. He doesn't, he doesn't actually even pray or contend for all of those things. So even as he's talking about spiritual warfare or spiritual attack or spiritual issues, he's contending for spiritual matters as well in that, not even looking to change his own circumstances. 
And what I want to do real quickly is I want to give you three kind of questions that you can begin to ask as you're kind of thinking about this area and thinking about what we're talking about this morning. Again, some of you will have a familiarity with this. Some of you will have history with this. Some of you will have seen eccentric things as a result of this. Some of you, this will be brand new. I've never read this passage. I'm not familiar with it. And I've never even considered that there was spiritual opposition to the things of God in my life. I just thought it was me and my problems. And so in that, there are some things that would be helpful for us. And so Paul begins with this. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, and this is what we're going to focus on for just a moment, against the devil's schemes. There's a couple times in this passage that Paul draws our attention to this reality. There is very real spiritual opposition to the things of God. He, he draws our attention to that. And here, here's a question that you and I should ask in response to this. If we're looking to do anything with this, the first question would be, how do I know? Right? H how do I know? Because again, somebody who's prone to eccentricities, they're going to blame everything on the devil, or they're going to bl blame everything on something being demonic. And you know what? There's a whole lot of other things that can contribute to your problems. So you could wake up in the morning, you slept through your alarm, you're late for work, and you're like, oh, the devil got me again, right? Made me late for work, now I'm gonna get a demerit, or I'm gonna lose my job altogether, and oh, he tricked me. Yeah, maybe, or maybe you are irresponsible, right? I'm, I'm dealing with that with my kids. My kids don't get to use that pass when they sleep through their alarm and they're not ready for school. Like you have to mature and you have to grow in discipline. There, there's a part that you're contributing to this. You're late because you're late. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't places where there's spiritual sabotage in your life, but by and large, if you slept through your alarm, you slept through your alarm. But how do you know? Not every problem that you encounter is spiritual warfare or spiritual attack or has a spiritual issue, but some are. And it's irresponsible to blame everything on the enemy, but it's also negligent to not be alert. In fact, over and over in this passage, Paul says, stand and be alert. Pay attention. Be aware. Over and over re reinforcing that. And it's important before we go on, I just want to touch base on this very, very quickly because if this is a, a, a context or if this is a thought that you haven't entertained yet, you can start moving into some things where you feel like this is like good versus evil or there's kind of like equal and opposite forces uh, at work here. Can I tell you that the, the, the devil, that Satan, whatever language you want to use to talk about that entity, that that is real, but he is not the yin to Jesus's yang. They are not equal and opposites. He is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. In fact, when somebody says, oh man, the devil's really got a hold of me, like I'm wondering why he's spending all of his attention on just that one person that happens to be in my office that week, and he's ignoring everybody else in the whole world. Do you know that he can only be in one place at one time? Like, if you've got a formed and informed theology about the person of Satan, like, he is not omnipresent, one place, one time, created being subject to the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
He masquerades as an angel of light. He works with deceptions and lies. He does not have anything real to bring to the table other than fear and deception. And you don't have to even play any of those games. And anything that would be of a spiritual nature that would follow after his direction all falls subservient to all of those truths. And so just as a pause and a sidebar, there is nothing to fear or be anxious about or even to kind of you don't, you don't even have to be off-put by those things. Think of it as a fifth-grade bully who's walking behind you and constantly trying to flat-tire your shoe in the hallway. You do not have to put up with that. You don't have to live your life that way. And so believe it. Like, don't. Man of God, woman of God, walk in the authority, the name of Jesus and the power of God. Just, just do that. Not every power, or excuse me, not every problem is spiritual warfare, but there are spiritual questions that can help us discern that. Here's a good question. Is what you're dealing with in your life right now the natural consequence of sin? See, sometimes we want to blame the devil for decisions we made, for things that we are living with the natural consequence of, and maybe we were enticed, maybe we were tempted, maybe there was a spiritual piece to that. But a lot of what we deal with has to do with natural sin. Here's a way that you can tell if there's a spiritual piece to it, okay? Is, is a part of this attempting to undermine your faith or to fill you with fear or to cause you to give way to the enemy in a place where God has told you to stand? If any of those things ring true, then there might be a spiritual issue that you need to pay attention to. Another question that you would ask is, is there a lie that I am believing? When Jesus talks about uh, Satan, he actually says that he speaks and lies, that lying is his native tongue, is the way that Jesus used it in one of his teachings. Is there, a, is there a lie that you're buying into? That might have a spiritual root and issue, even as that lie is something that is coming alongside maybe the natural consequence of an out-of-aligned decision that you've made from the way that God has directed your, your life. And so that question, you know, those, those questions can be helpful. It's not always a spiritual issue or has some type of, of spiritual push behind it, but frequently it may, and those questions can help. Now, what do you do? Like, what do you do when you are dealing with very real spiritual press in your life? What, is, what does Paul tell us to do? First, as he tells us, right, that we need to stand against that or to be aware, but over and over and over, and if you are a note taker, if you're a student of God's word, if you enjoy kind of doing some of that stuff, I would encourage you, read this passage later on this week and just circle or underline every time Paul says stand or set your feet. It's literally the posture that he uses in this, how do you take your stand should be a question that you and I ask. And I want to remind you that he's using a Roman centurion as his model. He's under house arrest. He has a posted guard with him everywhere he goes. And so he's using that concept. He's using that picture. And over and over and over here, he says to stand fast or to set your feet or to take your stand. And there was a specific type of a stance that a Roman soldier would take, not when he's at attention and he's just hanging out, but when he was under duress, when he was hard pressed on every side, you would set your feet so that when you were met with the opposition, you would not give ground. There was a, a, a Greco-Roman writer named Polybius who talked about uh, the type of character, the type of person that uh, a Roman soldier or a Roman centurion 
was supposed to be and specifically used the language that they would be somebody who would stand fast and not give way though they were alone or hard-pressed. And Paul borrows on that. Man of God, woman of God, whether you're alone and hard-pressed, you set your feet and you do not give way. And that's the posture that he paints in this picture. And over and over and over, stand, 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 resist, set your feet, be aware, be alert, keep that posture. Sometimes the most significant spiritual posture you can take is to just set your feet and say, I am not moving. Like, no more. There's enough things in your life that press you, that cause you to give ground to the enemy. There are enough things in your life that press you to compromise, that entice you to take an easier route and to leave maybe the direction of the Lord and the direction that he has for your life. There are a number of things that would cause you to retreat, to turn, to run, to digress. No, no more. Set your feet. And when you do that, when you're setting your feet, you're literally, you are saying, no. That lie that's telling me that I'm not who Jesus says I am, no. That invitation to temptation, that place of compromise, no. No. See, we over-spiritualize a lot of times what it looks like to deal with spiritual attack or spiritual warfare. I've seen all kinds of kind of added weirdness through the years. Very simply, you posture yourself as a man of God, as a woman of God, outfit in the truth of who God is and in the power of the Spirit, and you say, no, I'm not giving ground on that anymore. No. That's the posture. That's the posture. Whether you're alone or whether you're with many. And actually, a Roman centurion would have been part of a phalanx. It would have been part of a battle battalion, a hundred of them all at once a row of 10 and 10 rows after that. And maybe you've seen movies that has kind of shown the, and illustrated the way that they would fight where they would take their shield and they would shield the person next to them. They were all covered by the person next to them and they would thrust their swords through like that. And when the enemy would come, particularly during, during the campaigns against what would be uh, understood as the barbarian cultures, they would gather in and they would pull into ranks and then they would set their feet and the enemy would come in wave after wave after wave of chaotic wave, just crashing, 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 and they just, I, we will not give ground. And you would have a group of 100 and a group of 100 and a group of 100, and they would just, they would not give ground. And the enemy would crash and crash and crash and crash on that wall. And they would fall in casualties, and then they would move forward, but they would not give ground. And that's the picture that Paul is using here. That's what he's borrowing here. And when we hyper-spiritualize spiritual warfare, we get all kinds of weirdness there. And when we pretend like it doesn't exist, we're really willing to just kind of go with the flow. Somewhere in the middle, just set your feet on the foundation of Jesus and just say, I'm not giving ground here. No. James, in his book, his letter to the church, he says this. He says, if you resist the devil, he will flee. I can't tell you how many times I've watched people try to somehow battle the devil, wrestle the devil. I'm gonna show him. You don't have to do, you don't have to be weird. Say no. No. Literally, if you look at Jesus' temptation in the desert, hey Jesus, what about this? No. 
And then he would quote the Word of God. You can know the Word of God and simply say no. And you can stand. You don't have to give ground. Like there is victory and authority in Jesus' name. And you can exercise that. Without eccentricity, without all the extras, just in a quiet, measured confidence, full of faith. Man of God, woman of God. And then Paul gives us one action step, really. He gives us a posture, so over and over there's this stand, and you might think that that has a lot of kind of effort or a lot of kind of action with it, but it really is just set your feet and just whatever comes, you don't give ground. There's a flint-like resolve in that stance. And then there's one thing that he tells us to do. There's one thing, one action step, and here it is. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. What, what action step do you take? What, what do you do? You just, you pray. You have to recognize that what you're dealing with has a spiritual issue or a component to it. So there's wisdom and discernment that's needed there. If you're in that place this morning, start there. Man, pastor, I've got this thing going on in my life and I just, I can't make sense of it. I can't really figure out what, what the root or the core or the issue at hand is. Then begin to pray. The book of James chapter one tells me that if you need wisdom, anyone who lacks wisdom can ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. You ask for wisdom, God's gonna give you wisdom. One of the ways that the spirit of God is supposed to work in your life, you can go to John chapter 14, 15, and 16, look at Jesus' teaching on this, is to help you have discernment, to be able to, to discern your way forward and know the truth. One of the gifts of the spirit is actually discernment. Discerning the spiritual landscape would be a good way to, to, to translate the Greek phrase. You can just ask. You got stuff going on in your life and you're like, Pastor, I don't know, this is either a new thought for me or I've been looking for, you know, I've been looking for the boogeyman in, in every area. I'm trying to make sense of this. Start with asking for wisdom and asking for discernment. God says yes to that. He'll help you understand that. Once you're beginning to discern that there's something that needs to be addressed, you say no more. You stand in confidence. Well, I don't know it all. You don't have to know it all. You know the one who does. Don't overestimate how much you bring to the table. You don't bring very much. I don't bring very much. But we don't have to. We get to partner with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You're not ever going to come up short when you're doing that with the Lord. He's already got we talked about this last week. We were talking about intercession in, the, in the, the previous weeks. He already knows the details. Jesus is interceding on your behalf. The Spirit of God prays in the space that you don't even know what to pray for. Like God is at work with you. You get to partner with him in it. Set your feet. Be confident. And then you begin to pray as best you can, simply and powerfully believing that God is going to act and he's going to do because he will. He'll give you insight. He'll give you discernment. You set your feet. You set your resolve. And he will walk you prayerfully into that breakthrough. And there's help in doing that with maybe others who are more spiritually mature, more familiar with that. There's help. And there's health in us doing that together. All of those things are, are true. We talked a little bit about that last week. But you don't need that. You don't have to have that. You can do this. 
be alert, be aware, be confident, be full of faith. Set your feet, say no more. And then pray for breakthrough. Church family, if you stand, worship team, if you would come forward, we're gonna close in just a moment. As we close, we're gonna close with what Paul encourages us to do, and we're gonna pray. And there's gonna be two pieces to this as our worship team comes forward and gets set. And one is as we close, I'm gonna pray for you and over you, but I'm also gonna encourage you in these moments to begin to pray yourself. To, to pray simply and powerfully. To pray simply and powerfully. And maybe you're gonna to begin today with, with trying to discern what's going on in your life. God, there's this challenge in my marriage or there's this habit in my life, there's this issue at work, there's this anxiety that keeps reoccurring, there's this depression that I can't shake. Some of that is just the brokenness of this world. Some of that is, is tied to just health and physical factors. Some of that may have spiritual issues at root. And it's irresponsible for us to just say everything is spiritual and not address things that are actual physical needs and places of process and praxis that can help you walk in a confidence and a health. But it's equally negligent to pretend like if you just do those things that everything's going to work out. And so discernment is needed. Some of you need to set your feet. Like you're, you're living your life and following Jesus. You're waffling. Some of us, we're, we're, we're too willing to compromise or we're too willing to give ground when it gets hard. We lack a resilience. We lack maybe a, a, a belief, mostly because we're believing in ourselves and we see how short we are. And so we're just gonna kind of like try to exist or try to survive. Like set your feet. Like if you are, if, if you have Jesus in your heart, that's kind of that old churchy language. Like if you're saved, then the Spirit of God is at resident in you. Like set your feet. Be the woman of God. Be the man of God that you were designed to be, that you were created to be, that right now you are in Christ, but maybe you aren't living it out in your life. Just set your feet and say no more. And you may need to invite somebody to come with you and lock arms. That picture of that Roman, that, you know, that, that, that group of 100. Maybe you need to surround yourself with a community that's going to do that. Then do that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually encouraged. The community of God is something that is needed. Set your feet. Find a community around you who will do that with you. And some of you just need to open your mouth and begin to pray. Some of us just need to get back to that simple interaction with the Lord and the profound faith that comes with believing that He hears me and that He's moved on behalf of the petitions of my heart. Lord, would you do that in us today? Lord, that even in this moment, as some of my friends would be being stirred to respond in one of those ways, to ask for wisdom and discernment, Lord, to have eyes to see and to be able to map the spiritual climate of what they're dealing with, some to have the resolve and the courage 
the faith to just set their feet and say, you know what, it doesn't matter how many waves come and crash against me, I'm not moving anymore, I'm not giving up any more ground. No more compromise, no more side quests. Lord, some of my friends are being moved and stirred by your spirit to give voice to the prayers of their hearts. Lord, give us wisdom in this. Give us resolve in this. And help us to be prayerful in this. Lord, that we would contend for your kingdom to come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in northeast Colorado as it is in heaven. Lord, that we would be people of great faith and great prayer to great effect. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, action steps for you this week. You can snap a picture of these. You can catch these on Facebook or online later on. These are just going to be some helpful things to forward in. As you're dealing with challenges or difficulties or things of that nature, number one, begin to ask the Lord for wisdom and discernment so you can make sense of it. Number two, set your feet and stand fast. And then number three, begin to pray simply and powerfully.